Welcome to the What About series, where we talk about therapy topics in a highly condensed and easily digested way. Our goal is to help the average person understand some of the more complex or misunderstood aspects of the mental health world. Let's get right into it. Alrighty, so welcome to episode four of our What About series. This is actually one of our favorite series, I think we could say. I enjoy it. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I think it's really fun. And it helps us as well learn more about different topics and kind of uh, just reinforce what we're talking or learning about, which is cool. Yeah. So today, as you already know, we're talking about narcissistic personality disorder or NPD. It's probably what we'll refer to it because that's just, or just simply narcissism, narcissist. Yeah. Different words. They're all the same thing. It's all narcissistic personality disorder, the actual disorder, the diagnosable condition. Yeah. And this is going to come from an article. I mean, mainly the DSM-5, which is what this article references, but it'll be list or, uh, yeah, listed down below in the bio, in the show notes, all that good stuff. It's from theravive.com and it's actually really good. And so I highly recommend going to read it and just take a look at it. Another one, yeah, there's actually two articles too. Uh, There's the one on everydayhealth.com. Some of the other information comes from that as well, but that'll also be in the notes as well. Cool. Yeah, perfect. So again, we're just going to start with the summary here, and this is just a direct quote from one of the articles. It says, NPD, or Narcissistic Personality Disorder, is a relatively recent diagnostic category. Its origins stem from a great effort between psychoanalysts and psychoanalytic psychotherapists to recognize a cluster of predominantly difficult patients who could not be classified as psychotic, not typically neurotic, and overall not responsive to conventional psychotherapeutic treatment options. So when we read that, that made Austin and I kind of chuckle a little <laughs> bit. And so, because the, they just wanted to come up with a diagnosis for someone who's not quite psychotic, but <laughs> is kind of there. Somewhere in the middle between not super neurotic, they're pretty stable, but very... <laughs> on the border of psychotic and super hard to work with. So kind of a funny shot, I guess, there at the at the, at the issue at hand. But yeah, yeah psych- psychologists did not have a, have a word or a diagnosis for these types of people. And so they came up with this word or this, well, I guess not word, narcissism. The word comes from that Greek myth of Narcissus who couldn't stop staring at himself. And so he died. <laughs> And he so died. that's where they got the word oh, for it man. from. But um, that's a, yeah, it's kind of funny. We just joked about it a little bit. How they just couldn't come up with a definition or a word or a diagnosis for these really difficult people. Yeah. And if you are thinking to yourself right now, oh my gosh, I could be a narcissist. I have good news. You are probably not a narcissist, like 99.98%. Because narcissists don't know they're narcissists and they refuse to see it. And so they don't. And yeah, it's that easy. I mean, you're, you're probably not a narcissist. Yeah. The best test to see if you are or aren't is if at any point during this podcast, you think to yourself, am I a narcissist? And that is your answer to your own question. Just that thought typically means that you're, that you're not because as you'll, as we'll talk and as we'll go over in the symptoms and the summary that actual (laughs) narcissistic personality disorder individuals they very rarely will have those types of thoughts. Yeah. It's un- yeah. Yeah. It's it's unfortunate that 
I mean, there's no exact cure we'll talk about later to narcissism, and it can be a really hard thing to to deal with, especially if you're in a relationship with someone who mm-hmm. is an, who is a narcissist and who struggles with these kinds of things. But yeah, we'll just get that out of the way. Yeah. And one thing we did want to point out is that narcissistic traits are very different than having narcissistic personality disorder. Yeah. Because we all have narcissistic traits that we display in our relationships and in our everyday life. This doesn't mean necessarily that you have NPD. It just means that you're like the rest of us and you have things that you brought from childhood and from other relationships and from other experiences in life that just so happen to be narcissistic traits or maybe even symptoms. But as we'll talk about later, it takes a collection of those symptoms persisting over time to actually be considered a a narcissistic, like someone with narcissistic personality disorder. So again, if you think to yourself, as we're going over these symptoms, I do that sometimes, or I kind of do that. That could just be that you have some narcissistic traits, just like me, just like everyone on this planet. We all have, like, I always say that we're, um, we're born to be narcissists because as a baby, yeah, we come yeah. out of the womb and everything is about us. Like people just, all over babies and children and yeah. just the best thing that's ever happened. And um, everything kind of has to be about you for a little while in your life. And so, again, the reason I bring that up is it's kind of kind of the default setting. You need to worry and care about yourself to be alive. And for some people with NPD, that just goes a little bit too far. Yeah. And real quick, narcissists are always seeking approval and attention, and they have a lack of empathy. It's almost impossible for them for them to have empathy. And I think this is just my opinion as of now in my life and career. I think empathy is a learned thing. It's not natural at mm-hmm. all. And you know, to be honest, I don't blame the narcissist for lacking empathy mm-hmm. because it's not a born trait. Like Austin was saying, we're really born to be narcissists. At least for the first couple of years, we are little yeah. narcissists running around. Cute little narcissists. Yeah. And so narcissists, they just lack empathy. It's really hard for them to put themselves in other people's shoes to see things from a different point of view because theirs is always right. And they tend to walk around with an air of being always right, always correct, being the center of attention kind of thing. And again, if you've done this sometimes, it's okay. It doesn't mean you're necessarily a narcissist. Uh, But we're going to jump right into the symptoms here. And let's see. Yeah. So we're not going to talk too much about the symptoms. I mean, they're kind of self-explanatory. Yeah, absolutely. In and of themselves. But the first one here is a grandiose logic of self-importance. So they are the most important human being that this planet has ever seen since Adam. Yeah. That's uh, that's a pretty common one, too. That's like the, um, I guess the typical what's the word i'm looking for like when you first think of narcissism this that's what i think of is like super self-important yeah like the uh who's that character on beauty and the beast gaston gaston yeah like super cutter narcissist yeah exactly so that's actually a really good example to use we'll probably use gaston Gaston, but uh the second symptom here is a fixation with fantasies of infinite success control brilliance beauty or i don't know that word idyllic love yeah. Um, so, again, just a, a fixation on their fantasies of having this ability to obtain infinite success, beauty. Just they they have this idea in their mind that they can obtain these unobtainable things when it comes to 
the control in, in their life or success in their life. And so it's just a, an appropriate thought about what they can control when it comes to things of that regard. Hmm. Idyllic. I just looked it up. It means perfect. Perfect. Oh, wow. Perfect love. Yeah. It's like Gaston <laughs> uh, always pictured himself perfectly in love and in a relationship. As the perfect the spouse perfect or, the, or the perfect companion, yeah. I should say. Yeah. As yeah. He'd make the perfect boyfriend. Yeah. For Belle. I mean, he would. He's got great muscles. <laughs> He's a great hunter. Yeah. <laughs> The next one here is a credence that he or she is extraordinary and exceptional and can only be understood by or should connect with other extraordinary or important people or institutions. And so if you are not necessarily in those categories, I mean, I think everyone's extraordinary in their own ways, but narcissists don't think that. They just think of power, uh, influence, money. That would be their extraordinary type of person. And so they kind of put themselves up with those people and they don't want to be around anyone who's not like that. Yeah, kind of like London Tipton on Sweet Life of Zack and Cody. No. I've never seen that. She only wanted to mess with people that were as rich as her or Look had the same you, status level out these her. Disney yeah. <laughs> like examples. Every great. symptoms I'm like thinking of a different character, so I'm going to keep doing it. Yeah. Um, the, uh, the next symptom here is a desire for un- unwarranted admiration. So we'll go out of the, go out of their way to get admiration from people that isn't like, as I said, it's unwarranted. And so always seeking for that attention, always looking for ways to receive an admiration from people around them. That is just either inappropriate or just like it says, no better word, unwarranted admiration. Yeah. I mean, think of Gaston. He would always just bust into the tavern or Mm -hmm. the bar and start being really loud and wanted people to just to look at him. And admired Gaston. Yeah. And most of the women did. Unfortunate. Yeah. <laughs> the next one is a sense of entitlement. That kind of goes with everything else here we've talked about. Is they are the best. They are entitled to whatever it is they're doing. And they deserve to be the best. They deserve to have the best. Mm-hmm. No matter what. And there you go. Enough there. Again, yeah. Just listen to that song of... This, what's his name? Sings for Gaston. I can't remember his name. Um, he's like his little henchman or whatever you want to call him. Um, he sings that song for him and says how he just deserves everything and all the best women, all the best food, stuff like that. So, um, next symptom here is interpersonally oppressive behavior. And so they're very oppressive towards other people in relationships and in friendships as a manager, if they're at work to typically are very oppressive towards other people and putting other people down. Yeah. No form of empathy. That's what we've also talked about is it's really hard for them to see different people's point of view because, again, they're always right. So why would they bother looking at another person's view when it would just be a waste of time? Because Mm -hmm. they're wrong. Yeah. And then moving on to the next symptom here, resentment of others or a conviction that others are resentful of him or her. This is a very interesting one to me because from what I found in my own study, at least, of narcissism is that narcissists are typically the people with the lowest self-esteem on the planet mm-hmm. like if you have a nar- mm-hmm. if you know someone who's actually a narcissist it's because they have really really low self-esteem and this is a defense mechanism coping mechanism for that and so that what makes them typically what makes them pretty resentful towards other people or think that other people are resentful towards them yeah that was something i was going to bring up too is another symptom it's not necessarily outwards but inwards for the narcissist is they have a hard time with self-acceptance. Mm-hmm. They 
have a hard time with who they are. And again, like Austin was saying, it's more of a defense mechanism to protect them. Because yeah. again, remember, their brain is still trying to protect them. And it does it in this way that would be narcissistic. And it's just a defense mechanism. And we'll talk about this later uh, next year with the risk factors mm -hmm. of how it can come about. But narcissists, even though it may look like they have everything or they're the best or the greatest, they inside, you know, when they're all alone, just looking at themselves in the mirror, they may think to themselves or say out loud, I'm the greatest, I'm awesome. But they really struggle with that saying and really accepting that. Mm -hmm. They can't accept themselves for who they are. And it's really sad, honestly. And so if you do know a narcissist, it can be really easy to be angry towards them, to be annoyed. And that's all normal. Like that's, that's all right. Uh, but just keep in mind as well to have empathy towards them because they also deal with internal struggles that they will never show and do all that they can, like all these other symptoms we've talked about, to hide that. Mm -hmm. because they do have some of the lowest self-esteem that anyone has on the planet. Yeah, really. Yeah. So the last main symptom here that just ties it all together is they have a display of egotistical and conceited behaviors or attitudes. So again, their ego is just inflated through the roof and they deserve all the attention whenever they walk anywhere. Gaston, you know, bring the ladies onto his biceps, onto his shoulders, walking around. <laughs> He's awesome. Perfect example of narcissism. Um, but now getting into the risk factors, what causes it, um, what puts you at risk for developing it, things like that. So first little factoid here is that narcissism, NPD, is more commonly found in men. And it's found that almost three times more likely to be found in men than in a woman. I can't remember the percentage of the population stats, but... Um, yeah, you're three times more, more likely as a man to develop it than a woman. It's also more commonly found in young people and in people who either never married or separated or are divorced. And, and from the article that I was reading, the which one is it, the uh, Everyday Health one, I believe they say that, um, then like the, where did, I, where did it go? I lost it. Oh yeah, there it is. If it, the never married, separated, and divorced people. They don't get married or they get separated or divorced because of the narcissism. Not necessarily they develop narcissism because they never got married or separated or divorced. It's the other other way around. They they got they never got married. They they're separated or divorced because of the narcissism or the hmm. narcissistic personality. Yeah. And so that tip not really a risk factor, but I guess that relationship could go both ways if you get divorced. You could yeah. be at risk for developing personality disorder and if you never get married that's probably the highest risk factor in this little realm here if you never get married you never really develop true empathy towards another person like you do when you're married and so that's why it's a risk factor in that regard yeah for sure and let's see here it's so like we talked about this next risk factor is excessive early childhood praise or judgment by parents now we've talked about parenting styles a little bit a little bit on here and we'll definitely do an episode on that in the future here but you have here you have uh, permissive parenting which kind of lets the child walk all over the parent mm -hmm. and the parent does whatever they say then you have authoritarian where they're really harsh and that could be like judgment um, and neglect there's also neglectful parents you know that would just judge 
the kids saying you're doing something wrong and avoid them. And so you see how those types of things in early childhood can cause someone to be a narcissist and I don't blame them. I mean, if my parents from an early childhood were really permissive parents and would say and give me, they would say whatever I wanted to hear and give me whatever I wanted, Mm -hmm. then growing up, I would definitely be a different person than I am now. Yeah. And same thing if they were authoritarian or if they were very uh, harsh, critical, very strict, then, I mean, that would be, you can see how that can be, narcissism can be a defense mechanism for yourself to protect you because your your mind, again, wants you to, your brain wants to keep you alive and to really keep your ego because it doesn't, it doesn't want you just to feel hopeless and like crap all the time. And so you'll develop these traits that thinks that makes you think you're the best and you need to be the best or whatever it is. Yeah. So I'm going to combine the next two here, the next two risk factors. Um, So the first one being trauma or abuse in early childhood and kind of along with that kind of linked is problems handling stress. And so um, this is a lot of this stems from early childhood. At least that's what the article says that we're pulling this from. And like most mental health disorders, problems can arise from early childhood because it's such a, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Such a vulnerable, vulnerable. time. And so yeah, you can develop problems, of course. Plastic. Very plastic time. Yeah. yeah. And so trauma and abuse leads to stress, of course, and then lack of the ability to handle that stress can all, again, like Enoch was just saying, develop inappropriate or unhealthy coping mechanisms that can turn into narcissistic traits, which then turn into a full-blown narcissistic personality disorder. So yeah. Again, trauma and abuse in early childhood, which can lead to problem handling the stress that comes from that. Yeah, then we're back to parenting. The the narcissist was probably never taught by parents how to manage setbacks and opposition. And so they this is their own way of trying to manage that and even make up for what they, let's say, did lose or the setbacks they had in their mm-hmm. childhood. This is their way of making it up. Like yeah. you think of Gaston. He's always the best, always doing the coolest things because maybe little baby Gaston had a lot of setbacks, you know, Mm -hmm. his parents judged him a lot and were saying, you're never going to be good enough. You're not going to be strong enough or you're too small, whatever it is. Yeah. And so they were just never taught how to manage. I would even say those feelings of feeling like inferior or not good enough or the feelings that can come from judgment, even from peers as a young child. And that's why, I mean, as a parent, to teach your kids about feelings and about how to manage them is such a big deal because it can lead, it could lead to narcissism. I'm not yeah. saying it always will, obviously, but there's a chance that it can lead to narcissism if you don't uh, just teach them how to manage hard situations in life and that it's okay to feel certain feelings. Yeah, and um, one of my first episodes on, that I was ever on in this podcast way back over a year ago. The good days. Was the uh, growth versus (laughs) fixed mindset and how important that is. And so research done by Dr. Carol Dweck that came up with the idea of growth versus fixed mindset. And narcissists are just the definition of a fixed mindset. They only see what they want to see and they only do what they want to do. If they lose, it's someone else's fault. If something's wrong with them, it's someone else's fault. And so it's the responsibility of the parents to help their kids recognize that it's okay to not be first. It's okay to have setbacks. It's okay to not be the best. You never will be the best. There's no such thing as being the best. All those things while still showing love and support 
and teaching kids how to healthily be winners, I guess, if that makes sense. Yeah. And so it kind of goes along with that growth and fixed mindset. So the next risk factor, the second to last one, is that it can be genetic and neurobiological. It could just be the way your brain is formed, that you're just, you don't have the parts of the brain that allow you to learn empathy. And um, what's the theory of mind? That's what a child development psychologist would call it, the theory of mind being the ability to see through the eyes of another person and mm-hmm. that your world is not just the world, like the world doesn't revolve around you. Ch- children typically develop that around nine, nine years old. And so if a child has that part of their brain does not either develop because of a genetic condition or neurobiological disorder type of thing, they could along with that develop narcissistic personality disorder. So yeah, it could be a brain formation problem or a genetic problem. Um, but I'd say most of the time it's some type of personality disorder that stems from behavior issues. It's kind of a learned thing. A learned thing. Yeah. It's more, more nurture than nature. I would say in my, yeah. unprof- my very unprofessional opinion, it's definitely more nurture, but it can be nature. Right. It definitely yeah, can be. That's exactly what I was going to say too. the whole nature versus nurture debate. And I think there's quite a bit around narcissism, how mm-hmm. people think it's more nature, which means they're born that way or nurture the way they grow up and learn how to deal with things. And I think with the argument to just look at the biopsychosocial model, like it can be both nature and nurture. They can be born in a way where it can really be hard for them to feel empathy. Mm -hmm. And also if they grew up in a harsh environment, then you can see how they would also either reinforce their biological traits that they're born with, or even if they're not born that way, it, the the uh, psychological and sociological side of the biopsychosocial model can still overrun the bio or the uh, biological side mm-hmm. of that biopsychosocial model to still make them a narcissist, if that makes sense. Kind of a little weird there, but I think that's probably one of the best ways to approach it yeah. is just through the biopsychosocial model and realize that it can be both and... At the end of the day, I think both of them do play a role, and it's very just different yeah. per per person, per narcissist. The last uh, risk factor here is about one in 10 of people diagnosed with NPD also have been diagnosed with bipolar disorder. And so we're not saying here that if you have bipolar, that you are a narcissist. However... Just statistically, one out of 10 people who are, who do have bipolar are narcissists as well. So there's a chance. But again, if you're saying to yourself, oh my gosh, I could be a narcissist, you're probably not. So it's okay. Have no fear. That's just something to be aware of. Yeah, there's just a little bit of a correlation in the the symptoms and their... uh the way they're diagnosed. And so you're just more likely to have it just based off of the symptoms of the two different conditions. Yeah. So now... Moving right into diagnosis of the condition itself. Um, So I'm just going to read straight from what we found on the article. So basically a person must have at least five out of the nine symptoms we talked about before. Um, So at least five. So there's no specific time frame for how long those symptoms had to have been there. Um, The important thing is that at least five of the symptoms are present and are persistent in a person's behavior. And so with some other conditions or like anxiety, depression, the symptoms need to be there for at least six months or six weeks, right. whatever it is. Um, but from my understanding, it's more of a, you have, you have at least five symptoms that are showing up persistently or yeah. commonly. 
Yeah, as long as they're persistent. And what that means, persistent means, I would say that's based on the individual. And again, why we would just say again, this is not, uh, we're not professionals yet. We're not licensed. We're just simply students. And we, I believe we do have credibility, just not as much as obviously a, a trained professional. Yeah. And so that's why it's also important if you do struggle with some of these things to see a professional because they're the person that's going to be able to to diagnose you and to be able to help you and get the help you need. Yeah. So that's really simple for diagnosis. I mean, as long as you have some of those five symptoms, then more than likely that person is going to be a narcissist because I highly doubt if you're a narcissist listening to this, you say, you're going to say you don't have any of these symptoms. So <laughs> yeah. Anyway. Yeah. <laughs> it's, you know, it, good point. It's how it works. It's kind of complicated. It's really weird that way, but and that's something we're going to talk about right here. So for treatment, as far as NPD goes, there are different forms of therapy along with medications that can help and not necessarily medications specifically for NPD. There are a lot of people or a lot of people with narcissism, they have comorbid symptoms or they have other symptoms as well that come along with narcissism, such as anxiety, such as depression. And so a lot of the times they will, if they're you know, seeking help, they will get put on medications for their anxiety and depression mm -hmm. so they can again uh, be able to take the right steps in the right direction without, it just gets rid of a barrier to continue to yeah. move the, towards healing. We've talked about yeah, that. Yeah, the medication's not going to solve the narcissistic traits. Like Enix said, it's only going to treat the stuff that's come that comes along with or comes before having narcissism like anxiety and depression because there's no medication that sends little fairies into your brain yeah. that changes the way you think. No medications do that about anything when it comes to anxiety, depression, schizophrenia. It doesn't matter what it is. Those little particles in the pill don't go into your brain and change the way you think. That's why therapy is very important with this. But like we're saying, that's we're about to talk about um, very rarely will medications or therapy work or be sought out after by an yeah. actual narcissistic person. Yeah. yeah, it's very unfortunate, but that's the reality of it with narcissism is it doesn't matter what you say to that person or what they listen to, this podcast, this episode, or whatever it is, what their therapist tells them, they most likely will not change. That desire to change, I mean, this goes with anything, but specifically with narcissism, they're never going to have an aha moment listening to you. Or if you point out all their symptoms, they're not going to be, they're not going to say, oh my gosh, you're absolutely right. I need a change. Mm -hmm. That's not going to happen. And it's unfortunate, but again, that's just the reality. And the narcissist themselves need to come to that reality by themselves. And again, unfortunately, that doesn't happen to most narcissists. They just go throughout their life as a narcissist and die a narcissist. I mean... It can be really hard, and I just, I mean, you know, put yourself in their shoes, right? Mm -hmm. After everything we just talked about, put yourself in their shoes with what their family situation might have looked like, or, you know, whatever it is, it can be really hard, and so especially after years of reinforcement of, you know, then those narcissistic traits, it can be hard to change, and so again, this is just another invitation to be... Be kind towards the narcissist. I know it can be really hard because you're going to try and be nice to them and all they're going to do is be mean to you or gaslight you. 
Narcissists are also professional gaslighters, so mm-hmm. watch for that. And gaslighting is something we'll also talk about. We haven't talked about it a ton on this podcast, but we will here in the future. Yeah, definitely. And um, the most important thing in situations with narcissism that's involved is that if you're in a relationship or you're suspicious of your spouse having that issue, um, it's important that you yourself seek out help because, yeah, you don't have the one with um, narcissism, but a therapist, a counselor, a psychologist might be able to help you and empower you with tools that can help you with the situation to know how to handle your spouse or person in your life that has narcissism. Like maybe it's a child or I don't know, like a close friend. They'll be able to help you and inform you of the things that work in the relationship when it comes to dealing with it, because you don't have to divorce your husband or wife just because they have narcissism. You, you can make it work if you love them and want to make it work, of course. Yeah. Um, not to say you need to or have to or you should, but if you really want to, I mean, I would probably want to, <laughs> um, but I can't speak for everybody. And so there's ways to handle it as a spouse or as the supportive part of this. And so a the therapist will be able to help with that. Yeah. A lot of great tools for that. Having a non-biased third party really helps with that. And just real quick, there are four things you can always do in a relationship, whether it's whether you're in a narcissistic relationship or not. This comes from Act With Love, the whole, and we did an episode, not necessarily on the book, but on a topic from the book uh, this last week, or a couple days ago, this week, the same week. So there are four things you can always do in a relationship, and number one is leave. That's always in your power, right? If you're in a relationship with a narcissist, leave. Now, of course, there are other factors in a relationship, such as uh, kids, mm-hmm. family, etc., and so you may not want to leave. So what else can you do? Second is you can focus on the things you can change, right? And that means most of the time, your attitude, your responses, what you do. And especially with a narcissist, you cannot change what they do. And I mean, with anyone else, but especially with a narcissist, you're not going to be able to say anything to them, unfortunately, that will make them again go, oh, oh my gosh, you're right. Unless they're using it to gaslight you and uh, be smart about it. Yeah. <laughs> but so focus on the things you can change. Or number three, instead of doing that, you can accept what you can't change. You can accept that you, your spouse or your friend, your sibling, parent, whoever is a narcissist, accept it and go on with your life. I mean, that's something that's in your power, really hard to do and can be really sad. But it can also really empower you when you accept the fact that you're not going to be able to change that person. It'll give you power to to go about and do things that you want. And number four, the last thing, you can stay, do nothing, and potentially make, th- make things worse. And so there you go. Those are really four things you can do right now in a relationship with a narcissist. And yeah, I mean, it's really tough. I want to give a quick plug a quick shout out to tony overbay mm-hmm. if you're listening to this he's the man he has so he's the host of the virtual couch and he also has started another podcast quite recently called waking up to narcissism that's one thing that he uh, specifies in is narcissism in his practice and he is just amazing with uh, just his knowledge about narcissism how to deal with them and especially how to deal with uh 
like what you can do as a person in a relationship with a narcissist. So definitely go ahead and check that out. It's called, again, Waking Up to Narcissism by Tony Overbay. He, that's going to be definitely a goldmine of knowledge when it comes to narcissism. Yeah, and I guess there's not much more that I could add besides, again, don't think to yourself that you're a narcissist just because you you thought as those a couple of those symptoms applied to you yeah. a little bit earlier. Um, our goal isn't to make you feel bad or to call you out. If you legitimately think that you are a narcissist, I'm surprised that you've listened to this far. And yeah, if you do, and you are, and you've gotten this far, maybe seek some help because obviously you're a narcissist that's willing to act because you've made it this far. But for the rest of you that <laughs> are just people that are working on yourself and are probably very great humans that aren't narcissists, not to say that narcissists aren't good humans, but yeah. people that are just trying to work on themselves, those of you that aren't an actual NPD, we'll call it that. Um, <laughs> Uh, you can work on these, there's ways to treat your narcissistic traits as well, just like a person yeah. with narcissistic personality disorder. And that podcast is a great resource because getting rid of those narcissistic traits will, that's going to improve your life in every aspect. You'll be happier. You'll be more empathetic. Your relationships will get better because we're all, we all, again, like we said earlier, we all have those narcissistic traits that come from childhood that are just default. Everyone has them for the most part. And Sometimes they're harmless. Sometimes they just happen. They just come up. But the more you focus on them and are mindful of them, the more your relationships will improve and your life will get better. So uh, for the most of you that don't have this disorder, there's ways that you can apply what you've learned today to improve your life. Yeah. Amen and amen. Again, if you got this far, thank you for listening. Really, we really appreciate the support. We see you. We see all of our listeners, mm -hmm. how many people listen. And even though we don't know you all individually, we are very grateful for your support and that you take time out of your day to listen. Yeah. Well. Yeah. Well, as I guess as always, we're going to have a great outro song given to us by the great and wonderful Danny D. Have a great week. What about, what about therapy? What about, what about therapy? What about, what about therapy? What about therapy? What about, what about therapy? What about, what about therapy? Yeah. What about, what about therapy? What about, what about therapy?